Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1001 of Locked on Raptors for Tuesday, August the 10th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked on Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure to check out the entirety of the Locked on Podcast Network as we've got team-focused shows covering all of your favorite teams in the big four sports as well as the NCAA. We've got Locked on Women's Basketball. We've got... Hollinger and Duncan. If you like those deep NBA front office leaning dives, there's a million things for you to check out. So please go subscribe, follow, rate, review, tell a friend, all the good stuff that we ask you to do for podcasts to support them. Uh, please go do them for the lockdown shows covering the teams that you like. All right. On today's show, we continue on with Kyle Lowry week where we're talking mostly just about Kyle Lowry, his time with the Raptors and uh, the legacy he leaves behind as he heads to the Miami heat as a free agent next season, pending some weird half-ass tampering investigation, uh, which seems like it's not really going to bear anything. So he's going to the heat and we now get to reflect on Kyle Lowry's time with the Raptors. And on today's episode, we're not going to be talking about necessarily like an era of Kyle Lowry's career. We'll continue that tomorrow. We're going to talk to Joe Wolfond about the sort of 2014 through 2017 arc for Lowry. Uh, that's going to be a ton of fun. But today we're doing something a little different where we are taking listener questions all about the man himself, Kyle Lowry. Usually I would call this the mailbag, but I think in honor of our large behinded friend, Kyle Lowry, we'll call this the mail trunk. How about that? Joining me to answer a bunch of uh, questions about Kyle Lowry and to also talk quickly off the top about Goran Dragic and uh, his comments yesterday in a Slovenian interview is the wonderful Imanadon from the Dishes and Dimes podcast from Basketball News, wonderful writer over there. Iman, how's it going? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me and congrats on a thousand. That's that's big. It's far too much me on recorded tape or whatever we're calling it. Uh, <laughs> it's just by sheer volume, whatever the earth is like, our civilization is wiped out and then new people spawn in a thousand years and they dig up the old records. They're going to find just a lot of me talking about Kyle Lowry and Malachi Flynn. And it's going to be weird uh, just because there's so much of it. It's going to survive. And that's terrifying. Uh, <laughs> but I'm on. We need more of in this world, more Kyle Lowry and Malachi Flynn talk. Yeah, this one will be, I think, one of those ones that they put in like a museum down the line because we're going to talk about <laughs> Kyle Lowry entirely uh, through fun mailbag questions. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, mail trunk. I have to get the nomenclature correct. We'll get to that <laughs> in just a second here. But Iman, in Raptors news yesterday, uh, the big thing was Goran Dragic speaking to media for seemingly the first time since the trade went down. Um, and he had some not so friendly words, I suppose, about his, uh, you know, trajectory headed to the Toronto Raptors uh, sort of translated through the Slovenian interview he did essentially said he has higher ambitions than the Raptors and that it's not his preferred destination. I, I think it's fair to sort of 
consider that translation is, uh, you know, especially with English being the language involved, it's a bit of a tricky, fraught ground. I think our pal Seerit Sohi from over at Yahoo pointed out um, that, or is she the ringer now? Either way, Seerit's awesome. But either way, she said the something along the lines of, yeah, the ringer yeah. is correct. Um, but, you know, she said something along the lines of English is a very stupid language. There's way too much passive aggressiveness and it's kind of hard to do direct translation. So let's give Gora Dragic a bit of the benefit of the doubt there. Either way, he was uh, contacted by Michael Grange of Sportsnet and kind of apologized for what he said, said it's not how he wanted it to come out, maybe lending credence to the idea of things being lost in translation just a little bit. Iman, uh, Goran Dragic was not exactly a fan favorite, uh, or the idea of him coming in was not exactly a fan favorite idea before yesterday. It seems as though the anti-Dragic sentiment was only going to increase from here, really kind of putting a wrench in my Dragic propaganda that I've been trying to pull on the podcast. Uh, Iman, what was your reaction to the Dragic thing? Do you care? Is it something you're upset about? Or is it kind of, you know, let bygones be bygones and let's just see when he gets to Toronto and what he does on the floor before kind of judging him uh, prematurely? Um, it's something to care about on August 10th when sure. there's like <laughs> literally nothing else going on in the world. It reminds me, I don't know if you remember this, but Andrea Bargnani had like very sort of similar thing where sure. he spoke to the Italian media about how the Raptors like I think like the direct translation was like the worst and I think it was because the Raptors were on a losing streak um (laughs) and then that flipped and like and that would have been in what 2012 2013 the Raptors Mm -hmm. fan base has only gotten more rabid since I'm of the belief that sports is meant to be fun and sometimes that comes with hyperboles sometimes that comes with hyperbolic reactions um and I, I I think that there's a way to separate that Right. And like understand like some things are jokes and some things can be fun reactions. And and sometimes having a villain in sports makes it all the more interesting. Just like having a hero. And, you know, this is a podcast about Kyle Lowry and there's, you know, Kyle Lowry has been the hero of my like Raptors fandom since 2012, mm-hmm. 2013. So mm-hmm. um, I think that it's, it's fun in the idea that like sports is this like space where you 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 say outlandish things and fans get all heated and fun and all that stuff because it's the off season and there's really nothing else to focus on but if goron goes out there and and plays well for the raptors i like i i do see the tide changing <laughs> like i don't yeah. think that like this like <laughs> you know is is going to but like for august and to have a villain right now because poor baines did nothing wrong to be a villain besides not be able to catch a basketball yeah. Um, just to have that, just to have some like fun and action and something to talk about outside of just summer league games, I'm all for it. Um, but I, <laughs> I like, I do think that we need to have a separation between like what are jokes and what is something to take seriously. But um, sure. yeah, not a great start for Goron. Not a great start for him. Certainly not. Uh, he's going to be a heel until he's not. I, I think I'm kind well. of on the side of no. as soon as you see him game. do. Yeah. Like if you see him do Goran Dragic stuff, heel stuff for your own team, you're probably going to be swayed pretty quickly. And I do think like Dragic, as much as maybe those comments don't kind of uh, sound awesome. He I don't think he's going to come here and like loaf it. I, I think you know, he'll be incentivized to play well. He's going to be in a contract year. He's going to be trying to, I think, up his trade value to get himself to a more preferred destination, probably Dallas. Like, I don't think he's going to come in and do the Hito Turkaloo thing where he's like, I'm tired. I don't want to play basketball. Like, he's going to actually he's not, try. He's going to be in New York, Phil, in the middle. Of yeah. The- <laughs> 
Yeah. So I, I think it, I, I agree. It's kind of fun to have like a villain. There really hasn't been someone to like sports hate on the Raptors in a long time. I mean, Terrence Davis was his own thing. That wasn't fun. That was just like, he shouldn't be on the team. Get them in the hell out of here. Um, Dragic, <laughs> it is kind of like low stakes sports hate, which is never yeah. a bad thing as long as it doesn't no. cross any sort of problematic lines. Um, yeah. But that feels like a good place to leave Dragic to talk for now. Let's talk about the guy Dragic is replacing. Kyle Who, Lowry. Can we just say that like also yeah. so when he got here, did not want to be here, had higher yep. aspirations for himself yep. as well. Um, mm-hmm. Like I... The I don't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, but or today, um, but um, I remember the Lowry trade. I remember that first season. I remember his first press conference and like just that era of Raptors fandom, probably because I was like first, second year and on Twitter very heavily. And like it, that's an era that's like really ingrained in my memory. And so like what Goron feels, I mean, what Goron said is very much the attitude that I think Kyle Lowry had coming into the Raptors. <laughs> he was just smart enough not to say it. And that's probably because we speak English. So he can't really say that to another yeah. country's uh, media and, and not think that, you know, it, it would come back. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. Uh, we'll leave the Drogic stuff behind for now. I'm sure it will not be the last we speak of it. Uh, and let's pivot into the Kyle Lowry mail trunk. We'll get to that in one sec here. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at rockauto.com who are making the best. They're not making the I was going to say they're making the best cars. They're not making the cars. They're making they're selling the parts for your car, which you need. Uh, if you have something wrong with your car, say your fuel pump is messed up or something like that. And you go to the mechanic. They're probably going to charge you the full freight as much as they possibly can to milk every last penny out of you. Rock Auto is not like that. They have amazing options. They're more than just one selection like you get at the mechanic and you get to choose the, the prices, specifications and the brands that you prefer. For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is 353 bucks on average at a chain store. You can get it for 216 at Rock Auto. That is a huge savings. You should absolutely go to Rock Auto whenever you need a part for your car. They've got everything you need from the important stuff like fuel pumps, brake parts, tail lamps, or you get the aesthetic stuff like new carpets. Maybe you've been going to the beach a lot in the summer and you have to replace those floor mats. Uh, you can easily do that when you go to rockauto.com. And their website is so easy to use that I can use it. And I'm terrible with cars. I don't know anything about cars, but I can navigate their site like a champ. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, Amon, let's dig into the mail trunk, shall we? We've got lots of excellent Kyle Lowry related questions. The first one here comes from our pal, Krina Mustafa, one of the co-hosts of Locked On Women's Basketball, which you should go check out. What does the perfect Kyle Lowry statue look like? Amon, there are plenty of options here. What is the Kyle Lowry statue? Let's also go to where is the statue going around Scotiabank Arena? Ooh, um, the perfect Kyle Lowry statue. I mean, I always say, like, my favorite Kyle Lowry thing is, is just a, a pull-up through and transition. So mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know how you like get the body motion to make it look like he's taking that. Like I don't, I don't. Um, but I think also like I, I just think one of the most memorable things and one of like the happiest things is when he has is like his both his fist balled up and he's like just really excited to have made it to the finals for that first time. Yeah. And just has yep. like this really cheesy smile yep. on. So I would love that. Um, and where that's a good question. Um, okay, let me picture Scotia. I like 
honestly, I think just to like flip this on its head. Do you remember how we had moose all over the city? Yes. Yes. Let's do that with Kyle Lowry. Oh, hell Why yeah. Why should we pick just one? Right. Like, yeah, I like I went on a field trip once in like grade five where we just went around and saw the moose and like we had to, <laughs> know, we had to do probably draw them or something. So like that is a grade five that, ass field Lowry. trip. um yeah our teacher was clearly had no lesson plan that that month yeah um but uh (laughs) she was retiring that year whole other story um but yeah I think that that could be something that we that we do that'd be really fun where you just have Kyle Lowry's throughout the city that way you don't have to pick just one moment um Mm -hmm. and you don't have to um figure out where you just have um Kyle Lowry's all over yeah, so this is going to be like different st- different stances in all of them, or is it going to be the same set yeah. one that you said the the yeah. one? Yeah, so like if you fu- remember the, how like the, the moose were all over the city, you'd be like, it, I mean, the moose all look the same, but they would all be painted differently. So they would all right. have like one would have like a multicultural like flags all over it. One of them would be painted like Super Mario or something, right? Like they all sure. just look very different. And I think instead of painting them differently, you just have Kyle in like different stances. Um, and so that way you get all of Kyle Lowry, angry Kyle, yeah. skinny Kyle, McFlurry <laughs> eating Kyle, you get all of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think that's a great idea. I think that's absolutely the correct answer here. Some other stances I'd like to see interspersed around the city. Uh, I think him on the championship parade bus in some form with the, yeah. with the trophy in the Damon Stoudemire jersey has to be there. Um, it's just so iconic and there's so many great shots of that from the parade maybe you stick like find one of the bottlenecks of the parade where it got held up for a while i'm thinking like the bridge on york street right by the ghost station where i was actually standing and it got stuck there like for a good five ten minutes that they couldn't move um so like find one of the bottlenecks of the parade route and put them there um i think there's got to be some sort of him taking a charge but it's got to be like a dramatic like greek style like mythology thing where he's taking a charge from a player who's like 18 feet tall, something like that. It's like a (laughs) hybrid of Joel Embiid and LeBron like put together. And Kyle is there taking a charge and falling on his ass at regular six foot one height or whatever he is up against like a Goliath type uh, depiction. I think that works. Um, And then another one in this one, you know, this one might kind of have some sore feelings, but I think DeMar DeRozan deserves to be shouted out uh, seriously here. The one where Kyle, I think it's after it's that game in Detroit where, Kyle, where DeMar has the huge dunk at the end of regulation. And then they yes. win on the DeMar assist with the Fred three in the corner. I believe it was Fred uh, and Kyle's smile when he's yeah. like embracing DeMar is so quintessentially Kyle he's so happy for his teammate he's so happy the team won even though he didn't even have a role to play in the specific play that smile should be emblazoned across the city I think it's a it's a perfect image it's one of my favorite pictures you you know it's like drama masks where like one is sad and one is happy you could have like you could have that be like the happy one and then Kyle on the floor with DeMar consoling him right after Paul Mm -hmm. Pierce blocks his shot as like the sad moment Oh and you yeah. Just have, you know, both of them going. Both of them yep. going. 
that's a really good one. Uh, I think the one where he hugs OG as well uh, after he hits the shot against Boston. The great, like yeah. maybe just the the image of him throwing the pass over Taco Fall. Apparently, I just like Kyle next to large beings is what I'm looking for <laughs> in my statue. Um, there's that one, and then probably something where he's screaming at a ref, just like a like a stone faced ref getting yelled at by <laughs> Kyle would be pretty good. There's a lot of options here. That's a wonderful question. We're not going to question who it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Tony sisters. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, All right. Great question. Let's continue on here with the next one. This one comes from Freddie Rivas, former and future guest of the show. How do we, how do the Raptors ensure that Kyle's return is cooler than Kawhi Leonard's return? Um, I have yet to really reckon with how emotional his return is going to be. It's going to be a lot. Uh, Iman, what's your answer to this one? How do they ensure that it's a cooler return? And I think the Kawhi return was pretty good, if I recall, uh, even though they lost. It was still very emotional and nice. I think just inherently it's going to be better because it's Kyle and not Kawhi. But what's your sort of view on how that night should go? Yeah, I, th- I think that it, it. I agree with you. I think inherently it will be better because it's Kyle. And in all honesty, I think that like over producing any of these moments kind of leaves it feeling a little blah like I think it like yeah all of my favorite sort of raptor fan moment type things are when they're so incredibly organic like the first year of Jurassic Park kind of happening um like you know Terrence Ross speaking about that and just like how the players just did not expect to be able to hear crowds in the locker room and all of like mm-hmm. the moments whether it be Paul Pierce saying like he'd never played in an arena that loud have kind of come just because Raptor fans have have made the moment special in a way and so I I think that the reception will be really cool um and like I I don't I don't think we overproduce it I think it just happens organically and I think it'll be special because Kyle means you know more to the city than than Kawhi Leonard does quite frankly yeah, I think that's uh, well said. I can't really add any more to it. Keep it simple. Don't have like over direction from Herbie Coon to the crowd. The crowd knows what's up. They're going to be buzzing that night. Are you prepared for like what that's going to be? Down. I- turn game ops down. Let it just be the crowd noise. I don't yeah. want to hear <laughs> yeah, any of that other stuff. Yeah. Have you like emotionally prepared yourself for what that's going to be? Are you going to like try to go to the game? Like what's your... Um, um, you know, no, level of mental preparation. <laughs> I haven't emotionally prepared myself for the fact, like I, I haven't even accepted that he's gone. I sure I have to, like, I'm writing this article. Like I'm supposed to be eulogizing his like Raptors legacy here. Mm-hmm. And I've just been staring at a blank sheet of paper and then use the excuse that I was sick for a week to like put it off some more. Um, <laughs> so, so no, like, I, I, I honestly like it, it'll be weird. I, I think I've made my peace with it in all honesty. Like, um, I made my peace with it probably in March. Um, yeah. And honestly, like kind of before that, you kind of just felt like it was going to be happening. And I think that the rap, like for Raptor fans that are still freaking out about this, like I constantly am saying, Raptors are in such a unique situation where sure. both the player and the team are ready to part from each other at the same time. And that's something that yeah. very rarely happens. You have either the DeMar situation where the team is ready to part from a player, but the player is not ready to leave. Or you mm-hmm. have a Kawhi situation where the team wants to keep the player, but the p- player is ready to go on um, to other things. And for the first time in Raptors history, you have this moment where it's both player and team. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that's very special. And I think that's something that's very unique to Kyle Lowry's situation here. And so it's something that Raptor fans should kind of let peace with. Um, yeah. And so 
Um, because of that, I think I'll just be fine with him returning. I, I obviously will want, want to go to the game, um, but I, I haven't fully wrapped my head around it because there's no way that I'm being that rational about my favorite <laughs> player ever leaving. Yeah, it's um, the the night of. I'm expecting there to be a little bit of the waterworks going on. You know, oh, he sure. has said himself he's going to cry, and I don't really think I've ever envisioned Kyle Lowry crying. And so that's going to be kind of a difficult thing to grapple with. Um, we had another question come in, Amon. I can't remember who sent it, and I'm not seeing it currently in my replies, uh, but I did see it yesterday at some point. Uh, the question was something on the lines of, "What's the correct amount to root for the Heat now?" Like, are you going to be full on like they're your second team? Or are you going to be bitter because he's playing for the Heat, a team that's kind of traditionally been at odds with the Raptors? Um, what, what's your sort of view on the Heat as a rooting interest this year? Um, that's a good question. Um, they'll, they'll be another team that I'm, I'm definitely rooting for because I have my Kyle Lowry agenda to continue to push. Um, sure. which matters more than anything. But no, I, I think that they'll, <laughs> they'll probably be my second favorite team. I really do like them. I've kind of just been sitting at their roster and just being like, this feels very reminiscent of like Raptors past. Like sure. if Jimmy kind of takes that DeRozan role, Bam kind of has a similar like Ibaka type role in those 2017 teams. You have PJ Tucker there again. You have Kyle Lowry. Granted, both of them are older. PJ Tucker looks 90 years older. Um, and <laughs> you kind of have a very similar team to what Masai Ujiri was trying to put together, but much better on the defensive end. Um, sure. And so like, I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of like excited to see what I think my 2017 Raptors could have been. Yeah. That's a so good I'm one. I, that way. I'm looking at hmm. it that way. Yeah. That's a good one. I, I think for me, like I still have like my pet teams that I like a lot. Like I love the nuggets. I will continue to root for the nuggets, even though they got Maga Porter jr. Everything else about that team is so fun. I love watching Jokic. So they'll probably remain my number two. And I also have a weird aff affliction for the Pelicans because mostly King cake baby, uh, but Zion's cool too, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so I kind of want to see them succeed, but yeah, it, you know, if it comes down to like, a playoff series and the Raptors aren't involved in the Eastern conference, I'm probably going to root for the heat. You know, if it was like a bulls heat series, I might find myself leaning towards the bulls just because I think their roster is kooky and weird. And I love DeMar and like Kyle's already got his chip. It'd be cool if DeMar could happen into one, even though I don't think that bulls team is winning anything of note, but that would be the only thing where my sort of, allegiances are questioned otherwise yeah i'm rooting for kyle to succeed even though i don't like the heat i don't like pat riley getting more rings to throw on the table i ultimately think it's kind of a low risk rooting interest because i don't think the heat are going to win a title but if they did yeah. it would be cool because kyle succeeds and so like you're rooting for something that's probably pretty unlikely and so i think that's a totally fine sort of secondary rooting interest next season. Uh, we've got more mailbag, mail trunk questions coming up in just a second here. We will get to those in one sec. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Right now, baseball is the center of attention, and the Toronto Blue Jays are awesome. They are crushing it. 
They are they're like nine and two in their last 11. They're winning games in dramatic fashion. Their pitching's been great. They have a very good chance of making it to the postseason and making some noise. So go throw some money down on the Jays to go and win the World Series, win the AL East, win the wild card, whatever it might be. You can do it over at betonline.ag before the next pitch. Head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get in on the action and be part of teams runs to the playoffs head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on. That's a great deal. If you put in a hundred bucks, you get 150 bucks to play with off the top, go to betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. All right, Amon, let's round out this Kyle Lowry themed male trunk edition. The first question I have uh, here to get to, and this is sort of a, this one might take the whole segment. We'll see. Actually, let's start with a smaller one first. Then we go to the bigger one. This is from at midlife vertical 40 and dunking. Does Daryl Morey still think that he won the Houston Toronto trade that sent Lowry to the Raptors for Gary Forbes and the 12th overall pick from the 2013 draft? Is Daryl Morey still hanging on to that one as, oh, we got Steven Adams, baby, or I guess the pick was in the James Harden trade or whatever. Yeah, I was going to say, it, yeah, it yeah. turned into the James <laughs> Harden trade. Um, they would not have gotten James Harden without that pick. Um, so I think that like Daryl Morey still probably believes that he won it because it, you know, gave him James Harden, which was better than having that Goran Dragic, Kyle Lowry, mm-hmm. Kevin Martin ass team that they had. <laughs> yeah, I would say, though, like they probably could have figured out another way to get Harden. It's not like the uh, Thunder were seemingly driving a hard bargain on that one. They seemed a little bit under right. duress from having remember, to pay him like a small amount of money. The Raptors pick. <laughs> People thought that the Raptors pick would be much better than the 12th overall pick, right? Like that's true. All of yeah. the talk was like, well, they got the Raptors lottery pick. That could be a top three pick. That could be the number one pick. Like right. there was the Raptors were not a very good team. Um, <laughs> and the fact that they had, you know, and it was like a, a new coach. So nobody really knew what Dwayne Casey was going to really do with the team. The Raptors were utterly abysmal under Jay Triano. So at the time, um, that pick was supposed to be much better than a late lottery pick. Sure. Um, so, so I, th- I think it kind of, and it worked out in Houston's favor. Cause then in the end, they didn't give up such a high pick, which I think would have, would have hurt them maybe right. in a way. So I think that Dale Moore can still kind of walk away from that trade feeling good about himself because it, it got him James Harden. Well, here's my argument for that, Iman. I'm going to argue the yeah. long game here. And the Maury trade, getting the 12th overall pick, whatever, that's nice. He gets Harden. But getting Harden sent Maury on the path that he's on now, where, you know, they try many different iterations of those Rockets team. They almost get it there. They almost make it. And then they trade Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook for some reason. And, <laughs> you know, things kind of fall apart. The rift with Tillman Fertitta takes place. Maybe Tillman Fertitta doesn't even buy the Rockets if James Ooh. Harden's not on the team. So Ooh. there's that sort of notch against Daryl Morey. And then if Tillman Fertitta doesn't buy the team, maybe Maury doesn't feel compelled to leave after clearing out the entire sort of store of future assets to go to Philadelphia, where now he's stuck between a rock and a hard place where nobody wants Ben Simmons, and he might have to bring Simmons back into the most awkward and strange situation in recent NBA history. I would argue that Daryl Morey trading away Kyle Lowry has landed him in this predicament, and he's got no titles to show for it. The Raptors have one title to show for it. Houston lost the trade. I rest my case. Iman, we move on to the next question. (laughs) (laughs) This one comes from at Jordan David Bell asking, rank Kyle Lowry's top five games or plays or both. I think we'll probably end up talking a lot 
about the top five games throughout the course yeah. of this week. So let's okay. go with plays here, Iman. This is uh, you know, a tough oh, one wow. on the spot, but there are a lot of good ones. Uh, let's yeah. just kind of go back and forth. We don't have to necessarily do five each. We could just come up with five really good ones. What's your first one on top of your mind? Um, where So he's done this twice um, in very sort of crucial moments. One with DeMar that I think kind of like, to me is like the beginning of that sort of we the north era and like the beginning of us seeing their chemistry on the court which in this one he picks the pocket of like a rookie marcus smart (laughs) um steals the ball gets out in transition and kind of shoves i think it was like was it kelly olenic i can't remember who the defender was a little bit with his butt because you know he's um (laughs) known to have a big behind and Mm -hmm. um and then gets the ball to a trailing demar Derozan who has a dunk and it was it was one of those, to me, like, it's, it's honestly embarrassing how much I remember these games from the early Raptor years, but it was one of those moments where, um, it, it, it truly is, um, but it, it was one of those moments where, like, oh my gosh, the Raptors can actually do this, and, like, beating the Celtics, who were not a very good team at the time, because, like, you know, Marcus Martin was still a rookie, but the Raptors weren't either, and it very mm-hmm. much started this, like, to me, at least, the chemistry between Kyle and DeMar on the court, and then, again, in the conference finals, he does exactly the same thing. And he picks a pocket from a, a Chris Middleton gets out in yep. transition. And once again, I forget who the defender was. I think it might've been Giannis a um, little bit with his behind kind of shoving him a little bit back, gets it to a trailing Kawhi Leonard who also gets a slam dunk there. And yep. it was just like very mirrored and very similar exact moments of Kyle just understanding who like whose pockets he's picking number one, a rookie and Chris Middleton mm-hmm. who can't dribble if you're like within five feet of him um and (laughs) getting it and using and then using that advantage of having a a bigger rump and being able to kind of back a defender down without the refs really calling anything you know using his size to his advantage and getting it to a trailing teammate who gets the same dunk and it's just like perfectly epitomizes Kyle Lowry's greatness and what he does here so those are like my two moments that are kind of the same moment um Mm. that's definitely my top five that I was going to say the one where he moves aside Giannis with his ass to clear the way for one of the best dunks in Raptors history. Yep. Yes, Kawhi yeah. did the dunk and all that, but it doesn't happen the way it does without Lowry. That's he, a great he pick. He got the steal yeah, to get out exactly. of transition as well. And it was like from the same exact spot with Marcus and with Chris Middleton. And it was just like, mm-hmm. honestly, yeah, those those are definitely great moments. That's a great one. Uh, I'm going to also throw in, it's, uh, I think, February 2016. It's Raptors, Cavs. They're the top two teams in the Eastern yep. Conference. It's a Friday night. <laughs> it's a crazy close game. I think it's like 96-95 or something like that. Something and with like it. 10 seconds left, something like that, Lowry does the patented move to the left, mid-range jumper, cans it, dagger, Raptors win. That was like a real sort of, oh, maybe they can slay this beast kind of moment. Obviously didn't work out that way, but that was the year they did take two games off of them in the conference finals. Uh, I think for me, that is, that's the Kyle Lowry shot that I will always think of. I think it's, it's amazing. I'm so kind of tied to this. I'm having a hard time thinking of individual thinking of individual plays with Lowry because there's so many that were just sort of routine things that he would do that were remarkable. And it wasn't necessarily one instance of them. It was, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of instances over the course of his time with the team. And then they would kind of manifest in these like really important runs. And the two that I think of 
are the game against the Mavericks in 2019-20, where they come back from down 30 with 14 minutes left, and Lowry is playing with a bunch of humps, and he powers them too. And it's just like a bunch of Lowry stuff kind of tied together. And then the other one is game six of the finals, where again, it's Lowry stuff all just sort of in sequence, and it's just a bunch of different little Lowry-isms that come together to make just like an an all-time moment. Are you having similar trouble thinking of other individual plays or are you such a Kyle Lowry uh, propagandist that you have a whole list of plays that we can draw on here, Iman? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I agree with your, I agree with your sentiment that like, to me, Kyle, like one of my favorite things was just like Lowry time, which yeah, yeah. Um, especially in that 2014 to 2017 sort of era, you got a lot of Lowry time. And for whatever reason, mm-hmm. a lot of those games happened against the Jazz. I don't know what his particular <laughs> beef is with, with Utah, but a lot of, and, and it, it was always, you know, you hear like Matt's voice, don't poke the bear, don't poke the bear, but it was just a mm-hmm. series of, of it's just a series of plays. And it, and it starts with either getting a charge on one end um, and just like putting his head down and barreling straight to the basket. Um, and in like, in like just this, mo- this time now where Kyle's gone and just sort of reliving some of his past sort of Raptor games, I kind of went through and I had this like big jumble thread of some of my favorite games. I stopped mm-hmm. in about 2017 and I'm going to pick it up from 2017 to 21 to 2021 now. But um, going through all of those, one of the things that like, I truly, I think this like later version of Kyle has made me forget is just how like versatile of a scorer he was. Yeah. I kind of know Lowry is just like, you know, he, he's got this like beautiful mid-range shot, right? Like from the elbow, we know it's stunning. It's gorgeous. He's there. Um, but like his finishing ability is mm-hmm. something that, um, is something that we saw so frequently in that 2016 um, and even like that 2015, like late t- not the 2015 where his back was broken, not from like January to like May. <laughs> like we're going to cross that out. <laughs> but like that 2014-2015 season prior to January, he was phenomenal. And then on that 2016-2017 season, absolutely phenomenal. Um, and like his ability to get to the rim, just mm-hmm. put his head down, barrel in. Like he he was a three-level scorer. And it was something oh, that yeah. we saw kind of subsided. So one of my things about Kyle that I actually really loved was watching 2017 – um, I think it was a 2017-2018 season where to me that was like DeMar's best year as a Raptor and one sure. where like you almost saw the torch being passed from Kyle to DeMar and then mm-hmm. the following season when Kawhi came and Kawhi sat so often you saw how aggressive DeMar could still I mean Kyle could still be and in the playoffs you saw how aggressive Kyle could still be and so one of my favorite things and something that I'll always remember outside of a play or anything was just how versatile of a player he was and if you needed him to kind of be that main guy if you needed Lowry time you needed a five minute stretch for him to take over and win you that game because it's you know December and you're in Utah um on the second night of a back-to-back or something like that he would go out and he would do that but also he was totally willing to put the ball in DeMar's hands and kind of play off ball and just hang around the perimeter and and be a three-point shooter because that's what the team needed from him. And his just versatility and his ability to really step up into whatever the team needed um, in a way that like so few stars do mm-hmm. um, was something that I think is very special and something that's uniquely Kyle is just how versatile his game can be and how he can kind of fit in any scenario. And depending on what the Raptors needed from him, he was able to give them. Yeah, and I think the thing... I don't know if that made sense. No, that that made a ton of sense. I I think the thing that sort of... And if I'm looking for, again, sort of individual plays, 
that yeah. Celtics series is kind of full of a bunch of them. And yeah. there's, you know, obviously the taco fall pass and all that. Right. But the thing that you're getting at is sort of his versatility is that series. It was kind of like a resurgence of him just kind of figuring out how to get buckets because he was the only one who could on the team. And he realized, well, <laughs> I guess I got to be the guy. And I'm just, it's just burned in my yeah. brain, him driving into Daniel Tice, moving Tice aside with his ass and then scoring over Tice. Like, Every single time they needed a bucket, that seemed like the go-to play. And it worked like a charm because Lowry's like understanding of space and angles and how to use his body to move people out of the way was basically unmatched. And so that's a very good yeah. one. That's and sort of, just to like, yeah. not to take up too much time, but just to sort of add to that. One of the things I was going through some of his like playoffs, early playoffs when he, I think like historically had one of like the worst or famously had one of the worst field goal percentages in the history for anyone who's taken X amount of shots or something Mm -hmm. like that. And just going through some of those games, him understanding that his shot wasn't there and barreling to the rim. Like he averaged, I think it was in that Pacers series in the first two games, he averaged like at least, I think it was like he got 20, he 21 free throw attempts in the first two games of that series. It's just like, and, and granted, he he had like an elbow the size of a golf ball, so he wasn't making his free throws either. But his ability <laughs> to just like under and like it's crazy to think of Kyle Lowry in that way because we just don't see him like that's very much a Demar Derozan type stat. Um, yeah. But just to see him kind of do whatever it is that the team needs is, is something that's so Kyle. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, and yeah, I guess the last play I'll I'll sort of throw out before we wrap up here is him with that like three quarter court shot in game one against the heat uh, that it sucks that they lost that game because that yeah. should go down as like one of the plays of the decade seven. you don't exactly yeah that's seven. true <laughs> that's true you make a good point um but like that yeah. shot the i was had, so yeah sorry right? no no, no, no sorry. who do you have it against no who's gonna... the other one so he also had he had like a, a, a do you remember that against the Wizards? It was in the regular season. Oh, yeah. and he like I think it was last year or the year before. Yeah. And it was just like the most improbable shot. And you're like, oh, OK, <laughs> all right. Kyle. Yep. Yep. That, that yeah. checks out. Seen that before. Been there, done that. Yeah, it's the assist like I remember Patterson? myself. Do you remember the assist of Patrick Patterson for the game winner against the Nets? Yes. We talked about that game yesterday, actually, also, uh, with the Vivek. P- yeah. Has to. Oh, nice. Oh, uh, and the pass to, to Taco. I mean, the pass over Taco Fall that we mentioned at the top. Yeah. Like, that's also, I mean, going to live down as one of the greatest passes, inbound passes ever. Yeah, yeah. Just, um, God, I, I, I love him. <laughs> it's, this has been a delight right. sort of kicking back and reminiscing because there's just so much to dig into. Um, I think that is going to wrap it up for today, Iman. Thanks to everyone who sent in the wonderful questions about Kyle Lowry for the mail trunk. Uh, if we didn't get to your question, I apologize. We will uh, work to probably work it in at some point in the conversation in the coming days. Joe Wolfon is going to be on the podcast tomorrow. Like I said, we're going to talk about the sort of era where he becomes an all NBA player and is undeniably the best player on the team between 2014 and 2017 thereabouts. So we got that. Uh, Iman, thank you so much for being here. Do you have anything you would like to promote for the people? Um, I'm going to be dropping Larry piece sometime soon. And whenever I get, whenever I get around to writing it, it'll come out soon. <laughs> so I look forward for to that. it. Yeah. And it's going to be wonderful. Thanks. Yes. Check it out. This is in dimes as well. Uh, out in summer league right now. So they're going to have yeah. lots of summer league content. Um, and, you know, check out our TikTok, Dishes and Dimes. Check out our Twitter, Dish Dimes Pod. Our Instagram, Dishes and Dimes, I believe. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Excellent. Uh, yeah, thanks so much, Amon. This was a blast. Uh, again, we'll be back again on Wednesday with more Kyle Lowry week, and we'll touch on any other news that pops up in the meantime as well. I think there's a summer league game tonight for the Raptors as well. I got to double check the schedule, but I think there yeah, is I think one. About so we'll, 530 maybe? Yeah, that, that rings a bell. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll remark upon that as well on tomorrow's show. That'll do it, though. We'll have a good one, everybody. We'll talk to you Wednesday. Bye-bye. New year, new credit scores. Chime makes it easier to build credit by using your own money to make on-time payments with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a qualifying direct deposit. There's no annual fee or credit check required when applying. Get started at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary.